Birds Down Under fans, uh, it's your host Tom, and we have one of our very favorite special guests who's actually looking me in the eyes right now because we're using this weird video conference thing going on, but it is everybody's favorite man from Melbourne, Melbourne Mike. How are you, Mike? G'day, Tom. I'm great, and uh, welcome to the listening audience, of, of which I think I am a third of the audience, so you may- I'll have to listen to it to keep your viewership right up. My last episode, I'll tell you, got 14 listens. So uh, Outstanding. Yeah. I may have been three of those because I think I started and cancelled and started and cancelled. But let's not worry about details. You know what? We're going to take your viewership and listenership however we get it, although it really is only listenership. Um, Mike, it's great to have you. I did actually get to see you in the flesh last weekend, uh, having a few beers, watching some rugby league, which was lovely. Sydney. But um, hey, it's great to have you on. And I was really keen to do a preseason show with you just to talk our teams. You know, I think we've got two of the best teams in the NFC. uh, And it's going to be an amazing season, you know, to watch the two teams fight it out. And um, if I may just make this point before we get kicked off, Eagles fans, I I want you to just be prepared for this. I actually think the Cowboys are the better team than the Eagles this year. And I'm happy to provide my logic to that. But um, this isn't lip service. I, I really think the Cowboys have made some major strides this year, and I think the Eagles have taken some steps back. So, um, and they were damn close to teams last year. So, um, you know, and, and I mean, all these things, injuries are injuries are the the major factor as to whether a team's going to be good or not. And you've heard me say it before: Eagles got super lucky last year. So, um, Mike. Uh, format I was thinking is we both kind of just talk about the things we like about our teams and then we go through the things we don't like about our teams um, and and see where we end up. So why don't we start with you and what excites you about the Cowboys this year? What changes have they made that you're excited about? Like, let's let's go into positive 10 on the Cowboys for you. Yeah, so I mean, I think if I look at the team last year, the two things we were missing was a clear number two receiver. And once Anthony Brown, well, I'll try and speak his name, Anthony Brown went down for the season, we were also missing a really clear number two corner. Um, you know, Deron Bland as a fifth round pick stepped up and did amazingly. Mm. But you can't really expect that every time. So trading for Cooks and Gilmore, I think shores up the biggest areas of just immediate weakness that we had. And, you know, Cooks is one of those guys, right? Like, if you listen to any NFL podcast, like, he's kind of like the joke guy. It's like, oh, he just goes to a new team and gets 1,000 yards every year. And, yeah, six out of the last seven uh, years, he's got 1,000 yards receiving. So, as a second receiver, who's also still got enough speed to take the top off the defense, I just think, you know, that really balances out the offense. If I look at what I'm worried about, well, Keller Moore, he had his faults but he was creative. He came up with some interesting plays and Mike McCarthy hasn't called plays in a number of years. So what's he going to do? And uh, that's a little bit hard for us to tell. But yeah, I think clear, strong number twos at key skill positions, absolutely what I think is our best success bet going forwards. Well, I think um, Brandon Cooks is a massive upgrade. And, uh, you know, it was one of those free agent signings where I'm just like, shit. I, uh, I I wish he hadn't made it because he he's he is every team he goes to he's good, um, and you know for Eagles fans if you recall the Super Bowl in 2017 when he was a Patriot, uh, the Eagles um, Malcolm Jenkins at the time safety knocked him out of the game early in the first quarter and it's one of the most brutal hits you'll see in a Super Bowl ever, 
Um, <laughs> yep. it, it was, you know, I think it was a major blow for the Patriots in that Super Bowl because Brandon came in. He'd had a huge season for the Patriots. And I mean, you know, Tom Brady obviously rebalanced during the game and used Gronk the way he did. And but Brandon Cooks was a force to be reckoned with. And he doesn't appear to slow down. And, you know, he's always been a speed guy, but he seems to have maintained his speed frustratingly. So um, I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. With you. I think he's a great signing. And Stephon Gilmore, I mean, you know, he was the defensive player of the league in 2019, 2020, something like that. Right. Yeah, something like that. Uh, the, the 19, I think. Yeah, still a good, solid number two corner. A great sure. number two corner, and he played really well for the Colts last year. Who had a sneaky good defense, I might add. Um, so, yeah, and, and if, if, if I'm honest, uh, Eagles fans, this is why I feel like the Cowboys have really made a, a major step forward. Um, and I can, I can understand why you're bullish. What other things – actually, can I ask you a question that I'll be curious to gauge whether you're excited or not? Michael Parsons yep. moving to full-time edge rusher. Do you like that, or do you think that you're going to miss his versatility? Look, I think he'll play all over the line like he did last year, right? So he was technically designated a linebacker, but he was he was an inside edge. He was a spy. He was a wide nine. Like Dan Quinn typically just looks at who's the slowest or weakest guy on the opposition line and says, there you go, Micah, have at it. Um, Obviously, as a Cowboys fan, I've watched a lot of training camp. I mean, some of the stuff he was doing was obscene. I mean, and I know you're not allowed to hit people, right? So it's just like touch. But the the ball would be snapped and he'd basically be there to take the hand off. He's that fast off the release. It does, though, yes. I mean, our linebacker depth, I think, will be tested. Now, I mean, you're an Eagles fan, so you know the value of not necessarily needing great linebackers. If you've got a really good D-line, your linebackers can be weaker. And I guess, as with you, that's our hope on the Cowboys, right? That we get such a strong front four, of which he is a pop-up anywhere you like, that our linebackers don't need to be as good. Um, Because I think that's probably the biggest gap, on our defense at least, that is clearly the biggest gap that we have. We have no linebacker depth at all. So Parsons may well end up having to play a bit more linebacker than they've perhaps suggested right now. You know, it's. Uh, I agree that we are starting to look similarly built in that respect, but I will say Leighton Vanderesh, your linebacker, is better than anything the Eagles will field this year, assuming he's healthy. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair criticism that the Eagles' linebackers are pretty light on. Well, look, I mean, Nakobe Dean didn't get to play a lot last year. Now, there probably were reasons for that, right? But he's a rookie still, right? So yep. how do you bring a rookie linebacker in? He's had the green dot all through training camp. The reports, okay, we know they're just reports. And in training camp, everybody's a genius. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. But mm. he's looked pretty good. And as long as, and, you know, spoiler alert, my, my tip this year for the impact Eagles player on defense is actually Jalen Carter because... Good Lord, that man looks everything advertised, like Mm. absolutely everything advertised. And when you hear interviews with the Eagles players and they're just like, oh, damn, yeah, he's he's already wrecking the house. You think, well, they lost Hargraves and you would normally as a Cowboys fan, you'd be punching the air going, yeah, that's right. And they bring in probably the number one player in the draft at what did you get him? Pick 10? Uh, Nine. We traded up. Nine. Oh, sorry. Nine. I, my, my mistake. Yeah, you had to wait all the way to the ninth pick to probably get the best player in the draft. I mean, you must really feel terrible about that. Yeah, um, you know, I was reading an article literally today about um, the process that they went through to draft him. He apparently punched a teammate in the face really hard at a practice 
in 2020. He was obviously in the, uh, in the, yeah. So like literally attacked a teammate. Uh, he was obviously in the, the car racing situation where a teammate died in another car. Um, apparently, you know, his practice habits were pretty shoddy at Georgia. So, I mean, Hey, these, these kind of guys are boomer bust. And I mean, certainly the early returns are great, but what happens if the team hits some adversity? What happens next off season when he's back with his boys, you know, hanging out, you know, and what's, what happens if he gets to his second paycheck or his big first paycheck, uh, you know, so payday second contract thing, you know, so the jury's out as to what any guy's going to be, uh, be at this stage, but let's flip back to your first round pick. Uh, Mozzie Smith, is that his name? Yeah. Um, defensive tackle. Tell us a little bit about him. He's a unit. He is. And the thing about Smith is he's raw as, but he's so incredibly athletic. He is um, a freak of freaks. They showed him doing this standing jump drill up a pyramid um, before the draft. And these pyramid steps are like a meter 20, I think. And he's just, he's, I don't know how big he is, huge. And he's just jumping up these things like a, a five-year-old at the playground, just bouncing around. And probably the best thing about him is Jonathan Hankins, who we traded for last year, will be the starter. So if, if for the first probably six or seven weeks, Smith will play 25, 30% of the snaps while he gets to learn, which keeps Hankins fresh, great, but means that he just can come in and for like 10 a 10-play drive, just go out and cause havoc. Um, <clears throat> like a lot of college players, he was used to just using that sheer athleticism. And so it's a very much a read and react in the college game, right? When you're that fast, you just read what they're doing and then you react to it. But in mm-hmm. the NFL, you've got to react and read at the same time. And I think from training camp, that's what we've seen. He's... He seems to be guessing himself a little bit in terms of, oh, should I go here or should I go there? And we know good offensive linemen, once they get hold of you, I don't care how nimble you are, how agile you are, you're going nowhere. And, you know, just quietly, we haven't got there yet, but the Eagles' offensive line is, uh, is pretty good. I think uh, the consensus number one O-line in football from all of the pundits out there. So um, it's, um, you know, I think Smith has huge potential, but... These kind of guys, and you know this, because last year, um, Jordan Davis, who you guys drafted, who was incredible at college, Mm. he's taken some time to adjust because the game just moves so much faster and you're no longer just the biggest, fastest, strongest guy in the field. So it takes a bit of time. And I think Jordan Davis, the the one-two punch of Davis and the additions of um, Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter are the big improvement, I think, for the Eagles this year. Um, but I think Smith in the second half of the year for us, that will be probably the big difference because our run defense was still the bit where, I mean, we finished well, but we finished well after we traded for Hankins. Before that, we ranked terribly. You know what's interesting? If you actually think about our two teams, they're actually extraordinarily similarly built. Um, <laughs> no, think yep. about it. Honestly, you, you, you've you got a great offensive line in your own right, you know. Um, for the listeners who don't realize this, you know, both teams, I think you could easily make an argument that the Cowboys and Eagles have between, you know, one and the top one and top three or four best offensive lines in the league. And you could probably interchange either of them. Um, You know, and I I think Jalen and and Dak are extremely kind of uh, comparable quarterbacks these days. Dak's obviously got a much longer resume than, than, um, than Jalen does. But, you know, I, I think, I don't think anybody looks at either of them as saying they're not very capable. They're the best two quarterbacks in the NFC. 
Um, I don't think anybody would have a real argument saying that, probably partly because the NFC is not exactly murderer's row of quarterbacks like the AFC. Um, <laughs> yep. But our defensive lines are both staggeringly talented and deep, like because yours is you yeah. know very similar in in that respect. And your second, I mean, your secondaries, your your safety capability, your safeties are just ridiculous. The Eagles don't have the safeties to match up with you. And um, now you've got that, you know, Stephon Gilmore, second corner. Probably I, I look at your secondary, I say definitely your secondary has got us licked and your linebackers are better than ours just by the fact that I don't know what we're going to get out of, you know, what we've got. But there's still so many similarities in how the teams are built. Wide receiver talent, um, both really strong. So it's, it's interesting that the way they've kind of morphed into that, you know? Yeah, there, there is. I mean, I think probably the the two areas of difference that I would see, you have, I think, better O-line depth. Our starting five is great, but behind that right now, we've got an undrafted rookie and a fifth-round rookie as our swing tackle guards. Uh, that's potentially problematic, particularly as... Um, Tyler Smith uh, has a minor hamstring strain and, you know, hamstring mm. strains are never a problem. You know, they're, they're always just a one-week thing. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cooper so Cup, I would agree that. with you also. Yeah. So I think your O-line depth is much, much stronger. But yeah, our safety depth, we kept six safeties. Now, two oh. of those guys are basically hybrid linebacker safeties, right? And in the modern yeah. game, it's those, you know, like the, the power slot kind of guys, the nickel safety linebacker hybrid, right? So Curse, phenomenal, but gets injured. So um, there's a guy, Marquise Bell, who was um, on our practice squad for much of last year, who's looked really good. And another undrafted free agent, Wanya Thomas, who was on the practice squad last year, who picked off um, Trevor Lawrence in the preseason game, who looks really good. So we're relying on depth rather than superstar talent. I mean, Hooker, Hooker's great, but he's... He's come back really strongly, but injuries, you never quite recover, right? Like when you do a knee, you do, you know, like serious injuries, your speed never quite comes back. Curse gets injured a bit. So we're relying on depth. So we've gone a little bit short on corner, but I think they can do that because Jerome Bland can play both inside and out. I mean, as you so often do in a fifth round player that, you know, fell because he was a bit slow on his running, you just get a guy who can play in the nickel and on the outside. And what did he have? Five... Five or six interceptions in like seven games last year as a starter. So a reasonably mm. good start to your career. You'd be fairly happy with that. So your linebacker, uh, sorry, your running back depth. Um, I mean, you have some of the most talented running backs on there. Brackets, close brackets, if they can stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, for the three games that we get DeAndre Smith and the three, 3.2 games we get Rashad Penny. Yes, you're right. They're very good for those three games. And I think, look, I mean, I know we say, you know, you said Dak and Jalen are similar, but I think Dak, like you say, he's been around a lot longer. Jalen is an ascending player. And if you go back to college, every single year he's got better. Last year he got better again. Now, yeah, giving him, like AJ Brown, his reception perception numbers had both um, Smith and um, Brown as receivers. And I also think Dallas got it he could be good what well, turned out the reception perception numbers were a little bit light on because he was extraordinary last year like he's not the greatest tight end of the world but he doesn't have to be and I think your tight end your tight end number one is probably stronger than ours we might have better depth like Schoonmaker as a rookie could come on but he's still a rookie and he had plantar fasciitis for most of training camp so I do think the teams are two yeah finely balanced teams and like, this is the NFC, right? The NFC East, you know that. 
Well, it was the last repeat championship was your Eagles. Was it 2004? 2004, was it not? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So every year since then, it's been a new team. So yeah. would it surprise that the Cowboys um, win the division this year? I think if they do, it probably comes down to schedule. And the Eagles do have a much tougher schedule this year. Oh, but yeah. if you look at... So, I, I mean, it's funny, right? So you look at the numbers last year. So um, Jalen Hurts threw less passes in the fourth quarter than Cooper Cup <laughs> in the entire season. Because he did not have to, right? They were in front so much. They're just like, you know what? We're going to run the ball 42 times in this quarter. So I suspect if there's a few more games that are a little bit closer and Hertz has to throw to his two like all-world wide receiving core, I'm not sure you're going to drop too many more games. I, I, I think 12-5 and five is a, a pretty reasonable bet for the Eagles. It's just whether or not the Cowboys can go the same and edge them out on tiebreakers. And I too, I like when I looked at the the records, I kind of forecast both teams getting twelve and five. I, I honestly couldn't agree with you more. And um, and sorry, folks, if you're hoping for really controversial takes with Mike and I, um, <laughs> well, it wasn't really going to happen. Um, as Mike and I, we had a little preamble before we, we turned the recording on, and, and both agreed. Like you know, we have a lot of respect for each other's teams, and and you know. I think it will simply boil down to which squad stays more injury free for more of the season. Yeah. You know, if you if you or or you know if the Eagles sustain because I mean as much as you know you could argue our offensive line depth is better. It's not what what it was not what it was last year. We've taken no. a lot of hits in the depth department. So you know we we would be down if we lost. And frankly, the Eagles' depth across the board on offense, like Marcus Mariota, is a step down from. Gardner Minshew last year. Our depth at receiver is non-existent behind the top two. You know, behind AJ Brennan and Devontae Smith is very slim pickings. Um, our tight end depth drops significantly. Our offensive line depth drops significantly. Um, running back is the one position I, I think you could argue we do have yeah. good depth. Um, but so we are we are one catastrophic left injury to Jordan Malata or Jalen Hurts. He misses games last two seasons. He's missed two games. So what's to say he's not going to do that again or more? And then we're relying on Mariota, who's looked absolutely horrific. Like, honestly, terrifies me to think yeah. that that guy could be playing. Um, so I, I think depth, depth scares the hell out of me about the Eagles right now. And, and, you know, it's funny. I feel like I've just gone into negative Eagles town rather than uh, what, <laughs> what is that like. Um, but, I mean, I think Eagles fans, you need to you understand, we have also two new offensive defensive coordinators, right? We have Brian Johnson coming yeah. in as our new offensive coordinator and Sean Desai on defense. And like Shane Steichen in particular last year, on offense was really, really strong the whole year. And Jonathan Gannon did take the second ranked defense in the league to 70 sacks. So as much as you can, and I don't, I don't disagree with you at all, Mike, they didn't play, you know, the, the teams they played and they beat, they didn't beat elite quarterbacks at all. They, they didn't really play them. And we, Not. we only played Dak once and which we lost and Dak had a big game. Um, so yeah, I, I do have some pessimism in the back of my head about a, a few elements of it. Um, and, and, you know, I'd love to unpack the coaching staff thing because the one coach that hasn't changed on both squads is Dan Quinn, who, you know, I, I think you could easily make the argument he's the best defensive quarter in the yeah. league. And I don't I mean, think he, I don't think it's a close second, actually. Yeah, look, it is interesting. Looking at your guys for a second, right? So Desai, huge raps in the media. Um, I obviously, you know me, I listen to a ton of podcasts and 
there's a guy, Robert Mays, who writes for The Athletic, and every year he goes around to all of the different training camps, and he talks about how everywhere Desai's been, the guys that were left behind talk about what a genius he was. And I think it's fair to say, like, Gannon was good, but his ability to adjust was close to non-existent, right? So he called his plays, he said, this is what we do, and it was good enough, right? With the players you've got, sometimes that's all you need to do. It's ironic on our side, we had Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was the same. Here's what we're doing. We're just going to run these plays, and this is the way that we play. And there wasn't a lot of adjustment. So take those two out on each side. There's reason to believe that the Eagles' defense will actually be better because the scheme will adjust a little bit more. And not as in, you know, the players and the sum total, but if they just adjust a bit more, like you said, 70 sacks. All right, so we'll get nerdy now. Let's go into full football nerd talk here, right? So if you look at the quarterback hit rate that the Eagles had, if you go off typical results, they would have had 49 sacks, which still would have been amazing, right? If you get a 50-sack season, you're thinking to yourself, that's a great team. Yeah, you've got 70 sacks. You did that on a 38% pressure rate, right? Which is really high. Now, the, team, the only team that had a higher pressure rate than that, by complete coincidence, is the Cowboys that had a 43% pressure rate, but we didn't convert those into as many sacks. So if you get a little bit of regression to the mean and both positive and negative regression, we should probably both teams end up somewhere around 55 to 60 sacks. All right. Which sounds logical, right? When you when you look at the, yeah. the defensive line talent both squads have got, again, taking injuries out of the equation, I, I agree with you. It should be neck and neck. Yeah. So then you go, all right, coordinators, because we're the same, right? So, okay, Callum Moore, he could be controversial, but geez, he's good. And we've now got Brian Schottenheimer and um, Mike McCarthy. Now, the last time Schottenheimer called plays was run, 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 and run. And if you're not sure, run. And then this last up was just, Seattle, right? It was, yeah. And yeah. look, to be fair, that's probably a Pete Carroll philosophy. Like, mm-hmm. as we know, Pete, and we have a friend named Pete who follows the um, Seattle, right? The, they draft a running back in the first or second round pretty much every year since, well, forever. They really do. <laughs> yeah. And so they run, they run, they run. Now, was it Schottenheimer's philosophy? Was it, you know, Carroll's philosophy? I don't know, but... Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot that's been made of um, McCarthy coming out saying we need to run the ball more. I think what he's suggesting is there were three games last year, particularly where we had the lead and we went quick pass. And sometimes you just take thirty seconds off the clock by running the ball. And if you get you know three yards, three yards, three yards, and punt, you've burned a minute and a half off the clock. So, and I think the other thing. And, you know, look, as an Eagles fan, you saw this last year, right? Dak had more interceptions than he'd ever had before in his career. Um, If you look at the pro football focus rankings, and they're not the, you know, the be-all and end-all, but it was deemed he had 20 turnover-worthy plays, and they generated 18 interceptions. So he's... Which is a staggering number, right? Like, total, total... And a bunch of them were dropped passes. I mean... So many times the receiver just dropped the ball straight into the defensive back's hand. Okay, so let's say... Well, didn't you lose the Jaguars game off exactly that? Oh, that um, it that's was, the one I was thinking. He's not with you anymore. Yeah, like that was the most blatantly painful one. Yeah. So there were, there were two series of plays where we went pass, pass, pass. 
And then the second time was pass-pass interception, which if they just run the ball for no gain three times, Jacksonville couldn't have won the game because there wasn't enough time to come back. So I think the difference that McCarthy brings is he's a, he's a more experienced play caller. Ironically, when you look at it, when he was at Green Bay, and yeah, he did have Aaron Rodgers, but he called 56% passes to 44% runs. So he's probably still going to be a heavy passing play caller. But if there are just some times in a game where we just go, yeah, let's just burn three plays, but get like a minute and 40 seconds off the clock punted away and pin the opposition down, that could get us, I don't know, one more win, two more wins, those two years. We now need to turn it into playoff success. But like 12 and 5, 12, if we get that, then... I mean, you know, we do have the most number of wins of any team in the league in the last two years. Now, it's a small sample, but I'm going to take 12 and 5. If we go 12 and 5 again, whether we win the division or not, we're in the playoffs. And that's, mm. you know, that's really all you need to do. Get to the dance first and then worry about, you know, how you got there later. Well, and I mean, your, your kryptonite is the Niners. And I mean, who I think we both agree, you know, um, they, they are going to be a good team this year. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see Brock Purdy in his second year, what, what he does or doesn't do after that elbow injury he suffered last year. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, you, don't, you don't want to say it's a three-horse race, but it sort of feels to me like the NFC is going to be a, a three-horse race this year. So um, let me ask you yeah. this, Mike, just changing gears slightly. Um, give us the name of a player on the Cowboys that you're really excited about this year. This may be flying under the radar a little bit that, that you reckon is going to have a, a pretty significant contribution that maybe people aren't talking about as much. Um, who, who are you excited about? Ooh. Um, let me think. I, I think... Oh, there's so many. Wow, you've really... Sorry, so I didn't. I didn't, this, I didn't I didn't see that. I just asked for a question. Okay, so I think the the capacity for Jake Ferguson to replace Dalton Schultz and replicate similar numbers, right? So Dak loves a tight end checked out. You know what I mean? Like he loves. A, okay, there's nothing on. Let's just get it four yards. And Dalton Schultz was your archetypal run forward four yards, catch the ball, fall down. Right, like yards after catch, not really his strength. Um, Ferguson's got a bit more move tight end capacity into him. He's not super fast, but he's fast enough. So I think if you can get like a three-headed monster of CD as a power slot, Cook streaking down the field on a nine route, and the defense going, oh, what do we do here? I think Ferguson could easily replicate Schultz's catch numbers but I think he could end up with closer to maybe seven, 800 yards and probably seven or eight touchdowns just because there's only so many people you can guard at any one time. So on offense, I think he's there. On defense, ooh, I would, I'm going to say Marquis Bell, who's one of those six safeties we kept, who's going to play in that hybrid safety linebacker role. So we drafted a guy... Was he from Georgia Tech? I believe so. Yeah. So we had this guy, DeMarvion Overshawn, that we drafted, who yep. looked really good in preseason. And then on a nothing clip, did his ACL. Bell last year, we got him as an undrafted free agent from memory. He was in the practice squad. He kind of bounced up and down a few times during the year. And they've shifted him into that hybrid role. And I think he has a real chance. Um, Jaron Curse is on the last year of his contract. Bell has a real chance to end up as that hybrid like strong safety slash linebacker slash coverage guy. 
and because they're not going to target Diggs because he intercepts everything and Gilmore's super solid, they'll probably try and target over the middle a little bit more. I think Bell's going to end up with, he may well break up the most passes on the team from our defensive side. Some good yeah, names. I, uh... No one will know Marquise Bell. Like he's literally, it wasn't certain that he would even make the 53-man roster. Um, and then Overshawn went down and suddenly he was playing this really critical role. I like it. Um, I'm going to give you a couple names on the Eagles. Um, safety, Reed, Reed Blankenship. He was an undrafted free agent oh, for us last year. His yeah. first ever game, he picked up Aaron Rodgers on his like his ninth snap um, coming in coming in mid-game. Um, and he's just looked really exceptional all preseason. And he was a five-year starter in university, um, which is pretty rare. Uh, really heady player, just seems to have a knack to be around the ball. Yep. So I'm really excited about Reed in his second year this year. Um and I think, you know, he's going to really solidify one of the safety spots, which we need somebody yeah. to do. And then on offense, it, it's a name we all know, but I think he's been overlooked quite a bit, is Kenny Gainwell. I think our running back room is crowded, to your point. You know, you've got new, newcomers DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. And people are sleeping a little bit on Kenny Gainwell, who really shone in the, in the uh, playoffs last year and took over for Miles Sanders. Like, Miles Sanders took a, a major backseat to Kenny Gainwell as soon as the playoffs kicked in for whatever reason. Um, and I think Kenny's going to have a more significant role on that offense this year because, to your point, I think Swift and Penny will get hurt. But I also think Gainwell, he, he'll be the two-minute offense, four-minute offense guy. Um, he's trusted by the coaching staff, and I think um, he'll be he's somebody I'm, I'm excited to see get more opportunities this year. Yeah, by Gainwell, that's my prediction. I think he'll be the starter. And they'll bring in Penny and Penny for power play, Swift for the obvious passing downs. I think Gainwell will be your first named starter. And he's good. Like he's shifty. He's not super strong. He's not super fast. He doesn't have super hands, but he does all of the little things. He's patient. He wriggles through gaps like there's no tomorrow. And it, like I, how many games last year when he came in? Yeah, he took over from Sanders. He turned a, a three-yard, oh, that's a bit disappointing, into a four-and-a-half, five-yard scrambles, wiggle, squeeze forward. I mean, that's when you guys are at your best. If you get second and five against the Eagles, good night. Because Brown and Smith are going to get open. It's just so, yeah, I, I'm with you on him. And Blankenship has looked so good in the preseason. And all the reports are just that, like, he's taken to it like a duck to water. Um, who was your guy last year? Oh, Gardner Johnson, who was good. Yeah. Occasionally a bit flaky. Um, Blankenship's probably not as many. His ceiling might not be as high, but I think his floor is way higher. And having mm. that is just such a... I mean, it will let your corners do what they do best, which is stick to the offensive... Play. Like, your man coverage numbers must just be ridiculous. Bradbury and Slay, I mean, they're a little bit older, sure, but their man coverage numbers are ridiculously good. So I think Blankenship, you're right. That's the one that I fear. I'd like him to just take a slow growth, not a, a, not a rapid growth, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I'd love to dispute what you're saying, but I can't. Um, <laughs> interesting factoid, your running back, Tony Pollard, was replaced by Kenny Gainwell at Memphis when he graduated. Yep. There you go. So both of us, again, yet another strange coincidence here that both, uh, you know, what you, you know, you, you imagine, I probably agree with you that um, Gamewell's our starter, Pollard will be yours, and they're both Memphis guys. And Memphis have a really strong history of producing starting caliber running backs. Like it's not a high profile program, 
It's not the kind of program that you look at and go, oh, yeah, but they have so many guys in the league that are quality starters. Probably not, like, they don't typically use the big bruiser back, so they don't have anyone who's doing 300 touches a game. But if Gamewell gets, I don't know, 270 touches, Pollard about the same. I, I mean, the only thing Pollard's got, I think, over Gamewell is just a bit more speed. Uh, Pollard gets open. Yeah, I would agree. Like Every time I see Pollard... Every time I watch Pollard, I'm like, he's going to break this one for a touchdown. And that Gamewell doesn't have that breakaway speed. No, but he's probably got just a little bit more strength in that short to intermediate, like to push through tackles. Whereas Pollard, like he's not bad in between the hash marks, but that's not really his strength. And if he you know, bashes mm. inside all day long, I don't think his speed will hold. So I think Gamewell gives you just a little bit more in the short game. I have a question for you because you've 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 lost Ezekiel Elliott to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So everybody, if you're not familiar with that name, a longtime um, star running back for the Cowboys, who you know has had many years of really strong performance, um, he's moved on in free agency. Uh, I, I want to ask you about a rookie, Deuce Vaughn, who you know for um, anybody who watched the Eagles and the Saints before the Eagles and the Chargers knows a name of a guy by the name of Darren Sproles who was a great Eagle during the Super Bowl run, um, great punt returner, like five, six, you know, a hundred, like almost a hundred kilos, not quite, maybe that quite that heavy, but like short, super stocky, quick, just like a pinball. Um, Deuce Vaughn is, you know, in many respects, uh, he, he looks like Darren Sproles part two. How, are you excited about Deuce Vaughn? Same program, Kansas or Kansas State. Yep. Um, yeah. How, how do you feel about Deuce this year? Yeah, often he broke great gains away because no one could see him. Like, he could literally hide. I think Vaughn, I mean, like, the irony is, as people talked about at college, quite often behind people, it does look like somebody's brought their seven-year-old brother to work experience when he's out there on the field with, you know, standing behind these six-foot-seven linemen and he's five-foot-six, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Um, I think Sproles had better hands. Like, was a much, much better pass catcher. We, um, you got some sort of like rustling sound. I don't oh, know if your sorry. mic is catching on something. Yeah, I think Vaughn, it is. Yeah, it's probably the mic. I've got my hands starting to wave now. I've got into full, you know, like crazy mode. Um, he's shown he can take a hit and keep going, but he hasn't done it against number one starters yet. So look, do I think they'll have plays for him? Yeah, I do. And I think they'll bring him in on packages and he is really quick and very shifty and his hit and spin is ridiculous. He scored a touchdown in the preseason where three different guys had a line on him and he just spun in and around behind them. So I like his value, but really, like our second back is a guy called Rico Daddle, who is not Ezekiel Elliott by no means. Um, He's had two season-ending injuries prior to this year, but he's a solid between the tackles, like hardcore grunt guy. Um, and I think Vaughn will get a fair amount of play, but I think people will be surprised by how much Rico Daddle gets to spell um, Tony Pollard and give him some of those. Yeah, it's a, it's a second and six. We just want someone to slam into the line and run forward for three and a half yards. Um, and I really do think they'll use a three-headed monster this year because they want to keep Pollard fresh. Um, the coaching staff have already said somewhere between sort of 250 and 275 touches is the maximum that they want him to get. That leaves a lot of touches. Um, you know, Elliot had 220-plus mm. last year. Someone's got to take over those. Yep. 
I, I do really think they'll go the three-headed monster this year. A little, I mean, look, and the Eagles are the same, right? Like, there's no one person that gets all the touches. They spread it around to keep everybody fresh. I mean, again, another similarity there, but I think we'll, we'll look very similarly at the number of touches each of our running backs has had. It is weird, you know, as we, the more we break down the teams uh, and the matchups, it is, it is kind of odd how similar so much of the design of the teams are. And that's probably not coincidental. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of copycats in in the league, <laughs> yep. and I think you know you look at the Cowboys defense, and it was you know I mean daunting to play against last year. I mean because you were I think you were statistically the number one defense in the league, were you not? Uh, we led the league in takeaways. We weren't statistically quite number one, but we were close. Who was number one um, then? Well, it depends on the metrics. So Philadelphia led on a whole bunch of metrics. So on the Pro Football Focus grades, I think Philly was actually the number one defense. But there was, mm. there was a bunch of, it depends on what stat you use, right? Like what is a number one yeah. defense? Points allowed, I think it was still the Cowboys. I know we were the first defense in, I don't know, 15 years to lead the league in takeaways two years in a row. And we also had fallen off a statistical high the previous year, right? So there's a lot yep. of, you know regression to the mean typically happens, right? Like the reason average numbers are average is because this is what happens more often than not. Um, yeah, but I don't know that we'll be the number one league this year. The Jets, it might've been the Jets that ended up as the number one defense last Mm -hmm. year because they were really good. They're talking themselves up as the next like 1985 Chicago bears defense. I literally heard that as a quote or read that as a quote yesterday. It's like, "Mm, that's, 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 those are big shoes to fill. Maybe don't shoot, shoot for quite that level of, um, you know, capability because that's the best defense potentially in the modern era of football. So Yeah, I'm, look, the um, Jets play a murderous row of offenses in the first five, six weeks. So I, I don't know that statistically that will bear out, but um, they may well end up like that. Mm-hmm. They have a bit of a softer finish. Whereas for you guys, you start on a reasonably gentle pace, but you've got, what, six or seven weeks <laughs> through the middle, but it's just like, good Lord. Sorry, who? It's... Um, Ruben Frank, who's I think easily the best Philadelphia beat writer, Philadelphia Eagles beat writer there is. He's you know been he's been covering the team since like 1981. Um, he wrote a piece a few weeks ago that it's the hardest five game stretch that he thinks the Eagles have had in like 20 years or something insane like that. Just the 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 combination of away games, tough opponents, um, short like short weeks. Yeah. You guys are one of them. Um, it's Kansas City, Buffalo. You guys, the Niners and the Seahawks. Oof. That's the five teams. Like, wow. Oh my God. Back to back to back to back. And a lot of them are road games in places you don't want to be on the road. Yeah. So, yeah, fun. Good, good, good times. Well, look, I think um, you'll listen, start strong. I, I, just, I think you'll start, I, you'll be six and one, seven and one. And it'll be that stretch that sets you up as either repeat division champions or wildcard. Um, but yeah, if you come through that relatively unscathed, I mean, that'll, that'll show the teams out because very few Super Bowl losing teams get back, you know, and oh, yeah. I think it's, you've it's got a, a team brutal, that it's, can it, do it. But it, um, I was also, you know, you, you know, I both read and listen to a lot of stuff. It, um, when you analyze the teams that were, you know, that were the Super Bowl losers and that, why they didn't repeat, it, it was injuries. Mm. It was injuries. Um that undid some of those teams. And again, it, folks, for, for anybody who has any illusions that injuries aren't mostly chalked up to luck, it is luck. And yeah. the teams that go on runs every year somehow stay healthy or manage to overcome injuries. But, um, you know, make no mistake, I think that's going to be the, the difference difference between the two teams this year. 
Um, we have almost hit the 40 minute mark. And I think for our dear listeners, that's probably, uh, that's probably a pretty significant chunk of time to listen to us prattle on here. But mate, um, I'm excited. I, we don't play you guys until like November. I don't think so. Yeah, we're, we're not going to even get in. to debate this. For quite a while. Yeah. By the time so, we get uh, that, yeah, I, um, we'll both know a lot more about our team. So I look forward to that preview round. That'll be amazing. We can go to town on each other's team. Well, <laughs> And let's just hope that we get to see Dak versus Jalen because we didn't yeah. get to see it last year. True. You know, I, I mean, I think the whole world wants to see that matchup. And, you know, the league didn't get it. And it was disappointing when, you know, you have Cooper Rush versus Jalen and then Dak Prescott versus Gardner Minshew. I mean, those just aren't the same matchups. And then both teams, I'm sure, look at their wins kind of like, well, okay, but we didn't exactly beat their starting quarterback. And so there's always a bit of an asterisk there. So hopefully this year we get two matchups with the. the the ones versus the ones on quarterbacks. Indeed. Well, mate, look, as much as it pains me to say it, um, yeah, you've got a great team. Good luck. Um, I hope you go well enough, but just not quite as well as us. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. Um, and I always, I always appreciate the banter and uh, the discussion and uh, and your attention to detail. The, the amount of Eagles knowledge you have is pretty shocking, actually. So um, you, anytime you want to moonlight is uh, my backup here. Come on in. Always. I'm, I'm ready to step up anytime you need, you know, like rampant opinions with no foundation of knowledge whatsoever. They're all mine. Yeah, right. Uh, by the way, anybody, if you're curious, uh, Melvin Mike doesn't sleep. Um, I don't think, I think he's a vampire. I literally don't think he sleeps at all because he knows this much about seriously like 10 sports and I'm not kidding, but mate, uh, absolute pleasure having a chat with you tonight. Um, we will definitely be talking. I mean, we, we have games to watch this weekend, everybody. So, um, who do the Cowboys play week one? Um, we have the Giants. Who do you play? The Sunday night game against the Giants in the Meadowlands. So, um, yeah, it'll be. It'll be a really interesting one. The Giants really improved last year. And as a yeah, as an NFC East fan, you would hope that they fall back so that it's just the two of us at least running away with the division. But um, yeah, it should be should be a really interesting game. Yeah, I would love us to just try and put the Giants out of their misery quickly because I, I, I really rate Brian Dable as a, as a coach. And I think he makes a, a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot of players look better than they probably are in his schemes. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I actually do want you to win that, and let's just get them out of their misery quickly. And the Eagles travel to New England to play the, the Wiley Patriots. And uh, just very quickly for the listeners, uh, uh, Bill Belichick, probably the smartest defensive coordinator mind you could possibly argue yeah. in the last 30 years. You could maybe argue that. And if there's anybody who's going to come up with a game plan to slow down Jalen Hurts and that offense, it's it's Belichick, and he'll – create a blueprint for other teams this year. So it actually is not the team you want to play week one because Belichick will expose something you do and he'll take it away from you. Yeah. So I'm a little bit nervous about that game. I got to tell you. Yeah. So. I'd, I'd be a little nervous if I was you They're Like they have new England have the chance for their defense to be the number one defense in the league. So it'll be a good test first up. They for should sure. Hell yeah. All right. Well, well, I'm sure we'll be uh, chatting about the games once they're done. So uh, talk to you soon, Mike. Thanks for joining no worries, us. Mate. Thanks for having, appreciate it. Shout out to uh, Eagles down there. See ya. Yeah, beauty. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.